You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're back for another episode with 156. On this episode, Dimitri, Jim, and I, we're joined by Bill Harvey from Pertnier Outdoors. And if you've been listening to our podcast over the last three years now, you know that Bill's a good friend of ours, resides just outside of Buffalo, New York. And Bill's the host of the Pertnier Outdoor Podcast. And for this week's episode, we just shot from the hip with about various topics from how Bill managed his family life this past hunting season, some takeaways from it, and also how and why he scaled back on social media presence. Bill killed two bucks this past season in New York, one with the bow in early October, one a couple weeks ago with the muzzle loader. Bill also was able to kill a buck on the first drive on day one during their big trip in Pennsylvania on the second weekend of rifle season, I believe. It was a really fun conversation with laughs, stories from this past season, and just, you know, talking football, other various things. So Bill's a great hunter, friend, and an individual. I highly recommend checking out his podcast and the events that he has planned in the near future with Shed Fest, his summer beer fest thing that they also do, raise money for local NDA chapters and everything else. So definitely check out what Bill and his buddies are doing with the Pertinier Outdoor Podcast. Also want to just say real quick, thank you so much for everybody for all the support. A couple things regarding uh, some kind of just some information. Mountain, tough, and go wild. Just recently released a quick awesome 30-day uh, workout program no equipment is really needed all you need to do is go over to go wild sign up and check out the go wild challenge uh, with mountain tough and their community because it is a 30-day challenge it gives you a workout plan doing various exercises you can also get a free uh, discount code where you can access mountain tough's app for 30 days it's awesome stuff great people i've done their program in the years you know, even prior to this, uh, when I was going out west to Utah, so I believe in it. It's good stuff in the my field. I love uh, the fitness side of things, so definitely check that out. 
also the Great American Outdoor Show is going to be coming up, and the Pennsylvania uh, chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers uh, will be there. And man, these guys are individuals that I've had a chance to meet uh, that work for them here in Pennsylvania over the last couple of years. Some really nice people, great individuals. So, you know, the advocating for your public land, fishing lands and waters uh, is what they do. So and they prove access to this. Also really big on the uh, pushing for Sunday hunting here in Pennsylvania. And they're just a vibrant, growing grassroots organization of outdoorsmen and, and women. And so definitely check them out at the Great American Outdoor Show and learn about them, talk to them, uh, see what they have in store for 2023, including the fight, like I said, the for Sunday hunting. Uh, they'll be at booth 4707 in the Outfitter Hall. And also on Friday, February 10th, join them at the Appalachian Brewing Company after the outdoor show uh, for their Backyard Bash with special guest BHA President and CEO Lantani. So to find out more uh, what's going on maybe in your local area about their events and other links, check out their Facebook, Instagram, as well as uh, the website, which is www.backcountryhunters.org backslash Pennsylvania. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. Jim, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Okay, good. Jim's- oh, Jim. <laughs> What's up, Bill? Nothing. You, you at home doing your neck exercises, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. We need to get into this. I don't know what the hell you're talking about today. You're messaging me about some lower back machine you bought. <laughs> Dude, so me out. Uh, he's I, all depressed. A, Dude, I'm on. A, I'm in a glass case of motion right now. Is that so, right? Yeah, I bought a reverse hyper because I've had chronic back issues like most of my life. And five years ago, I had uh, surgery on my L4, L5, S1 for ruptured discs. And since they since they did that surgery, I've been freaking awesome. But I recently tweaked it since I've been really kind of ramping things up in the weight room, you know, like a knucklehead. And uh, so now I'm back to like where even like sitting, standing, walking, everything is like I just have that nerve pain again and it's bothering the shit out of me. So I'm trying to do whatever I can to minimize having to go under the knife or, you know, create a chronic issue even bigger than what I have. So I bought this machine called the reverse hyper. And what it does is, is you lay on your stomach and it does basically does, does like a, it's almost like doing a curl with your back. Huh? And, like it, uh, something you sit down or you, no, you, no, you lay on your stomach, your feet are off the floor and you okay. kind of hold on. It's almost like, it's almost like a Roman chair, but like you're on your stomach. And, and what it, yeah, well, what it does is, is when <laughs> your feet come, your feet come towards your body underneath this chair and it elongates your spine and allows blood flow and things into, into your uh, vertebrae. And then when you come back with your feet, you're essentially doing a, a, a flexion with your low back muscles and it'll help strengthen those muscles. So it's like a double, huh. you know, it's supposed to be really beneficial for low back issues. So no, it, sounds, it sounds good. And I, I mean, 
we can joke all we want about it, but back issues, leg issues, arm issues, no, no boy, no boy. So, so mm-hmm. that sucks, man. I, I had no idea. All this time we've spent together, getting to know each other, talking about inappropriate things, and I don't even know that you're like half broken as a man. <laughs> well, Billy, I don't, I can't let you know all my weaknesses, you know. That's true. I would take advantage of you if I knew you're both back this week. <laughs> well, this is off to a hot start, isn't it, Jerry? Yeah, this is what this is. What I told you we're going to shoot from the hip, and this is exactly yeah. what I was hoping for. So, Bill, Billy did try to blow my back out at uh, Deer Camp this year. <laughs> yeah, we were making the boys so uncomfortable up in the cab of the truck. They had to slide the. The back window shut. They were hearing some things they weren't too comfortable with. Uh, those boys can't handle us. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. Uh, we we were all jazzed up after because it was the last uh, the end of the last drive. Dallas gave the green light to the guys that had tagged out to go home and get warm. So we were just having like a victory lap, and uh, we kind of got out of hand. Yeah, Jim and I are. I mean, it's a. Everything, it was a rainy morning. AJ shot the big buck. And uh, and then we had like a two-and-a-half, three-mile pack out. And by the time we got back to the truck, like we were just shot. It was like 2 o'clock. And the sun comes out, and Dallas is like, hey, we don't really have room for you boys on this next hunt, so if you want to just head back to the house and shower up and start drinking, have at it. And we're just like, yes. <laughs> so we, Jim, Jim and I, we load up in the back of the truck, and my truck was awake like two or three miles away. So we're just, you know, driving dirt roads and state forest and just having a freaking riot. So yeah, I'll cherish those, those memories for the rest of my life. That's riding nice. in the back of the pickup truck with my buddy Jim. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's good. Now, Bill, well, I appreciate you coming on and I figured this would be a good one just to have all of us on the kind of BS and just have fun chatting. Whatever comes up, comes up. So, you know, we're, uh, today was, what the the 11th and oh, first day of ATA and Dimitri opens it up with a, a great <laughs> a great joke in the morning to get it, get it going and uh, it was like oh man today's gonna be a good day so we uh, yeah Billy what uh, what's going on man like what's new we we had, it's been a little while since we've had a chance to sit down and record and and do uh, a podcast together so what's new man. Yeah, it's been, I guess I'm trying to think of when the last time was we were on. I think maybe the last time that I was on with you guys, I probably had just phoned in on a, on a bullhorn. It was probably the last time I was on talking with you guys, but um, yeah. And that was, that was probably end of last spring, beginning of summer, I'm guessing. So yeah, I mean, nothing has really changed dramatically in my life um, or in just the hunting realm of things. As anyone knows who's listening that follows along with us too, I, I have a podcast myself. And, uh, and man, you know, we started ours back in 2019, 2019. Yeah. I think it was fall of 2019. We started our show and, and, you know, we totally dove right into it. And I say probably the biggest thing that's changed for me over the last, I don't know, the last six, eight months is like, I've really tried to, you know, cut back a little bit on completely devouring the social media side and trying to produce a shitload of content and, uh, it was, it wasn't so much really coming in the way of, of my life with work and family, mm-hmm. but it was certainly something that was taking time away from those two things and family most importantly. So I, I'd say like last, last spring, summer, like really kind of started backing off 
a lot of the social media and a lot of the, you know, I still, I'm still using, I'm active daily, but nowhere near what I was doing before. And, uh, and then the same thing with the podcast, you know, just kind of doing it as it comes along. But because at the end of the day, like I'm a hunter, I'm an outdoorsman, I'm a family man. I love sports. I love, I, I love a lot of things. I'm not just like completely obsessed with just hunting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of an, an interesting like six, eight months and then going all the way through deer season with just kind of focusing on what's important. And to me, that's getting out when I can have any success. When I go out, I'm, I'm every time I go out, I'm trying, you know, every once in a while you're not trying to kill, but if I had opportunity this year, I took it and, you know, I, I get through this deer season and look back at it and say like, wow, where did it go? But it was super successful to my standards and, uh, and my freezer's full and my family didn't skip a beat. You know, it didn't nothing from hunting season. There was maybe a couple days where there was some stress in the household because, you know, kids were sick or whatever, but, um, we kept the peace and work was a banger of a fall and had an incredible, uh, run there with my, with what I do for a day job. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, a whole bunch of, of words I just threw at you, but I mean, I, I've, I've kind of changed a little bit as a, as a person in a way of, you know, what I'm doing with, with the platform and with everything else. But I think it's relatable to guys in all of our situations. We're all, you know, the four of us on here are pretty similar with where we're at in our stages of our lives with kids and everything. And it's like, you got to kind of take a step back and think about what's truly the most important thing. And, you know, when it comes down to hunting, I don't want to, my, my hobby with the podcast to become between me and, and fill in the freezer. So um, I step back here in the beginning of January and say, Hey, I think, uh, I think that this last six, eight months was pretty sweet and I'd like to keep going at this pace. So that's, what's kind of cooking with me on a, on a high level. That's great. I, that's all really good news. And like you said, I know last time that I think we even chatted, you were just saying too, how busy you were with work and it's a good, good work, hunting, wife, family balance. And it seems like you, uh, did that. So that's, that's great. And then bill, you have two kids. Yeah, I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, so you have two. Dimitri has two. Jim and I both have one. There you go. That's it's like we all somewhere we're all very like relatable in in those uh, in that realm of things. Yeah, and I mean, Dimitri, you and I can commiserate in the the challenges of having two. It's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Like I, I love it to death, and but like you can't you can't just walk away for three four hours because those two kids are just going to tear each other apart and they're going to drag your wife up a wall. And then it doesn't make anything that I'm doing fun because I know she's at home dealing with that. So for me, like that was a big thing for me. It was just like kind of realizing like I need to be there. And at some point the kids are going to grow up a little bit more and I have more freedom. But right now, like what the hell good is it for me to, to go out and sit in the blind for six hours and then I come home and she just throws the kids at me and walks out the door. It's like, I want her to be like, honey, thank God you're home. Let's have some dinner or whatever, <laughs> or maybe a chaser around or something else. But, um, yeah, it's, that's, what's important to me. I don't know about you, Dimitri, but, um, that's where my focus has really landed here. Yeah. And I think this is the first year where I really would take a step back if, if I felt like I needed to during the season, you know, there was, I think it was after I killed my first doe, which was on a Friday, I was able to sneak out after work and, you know, was able to connect on that first doe. And, 
you know, an old me would typically, you know, even though it's next day is Saturday, so I would go out in the morning and then go out in the evening, uh, you know, another day to hunt. But, you know, this year I got that doe on Friday and took a step back and said, well, I have one, you know, I have to take care of it. It was going to be a little warmer that day. I said, Hey, I'm just going to sleep in, woke up, made the family some breakfast and, you know, it was just hanging around. So, you know, I took that victory and, and made everyone kind of able to celebrate it a little bit and be present a little bit more. And, you know, I, I think I did that. I think I did that another time too. I mean, came home a little early from Ohio as well. Um, you know, I, we both tagged out and made sure I was home to, I think it was daycare had a, you know, the kind of a parent's night. So I was able to be present for those things too. So, you know, even though I got to hunt still quite a bit, there was those little incidents where, you know, I was able to, to be with the family and, and meant a lot more for everybody too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that, you know, as fathers that we are in, in, in our generation, I think we, you know, we all reflect on our fathers and I, you know, I've had these discussions with my dad. I mean, he realizes that he left my, you know, he would, if it's deer season, dad was gone. He's like weekend, I'm going to deer camp. And it was never even like a second thought about, is that a burden on my mom? And it wasn't anything malicious. Like they're happily married for, you know, almost 40 years now, but it's like, it just was a different time. And I, I'm, I'm really actually kind of starting to embrace this, this time we have now where it's like the fathers are, you know, you kept saying present Dimitri. I mean, I think when you're present in your kids' lives, like it, it makes a huge difference in, in their upbringing. And, you know, I think it's, that that's one of the things that stuck with me. And as I'm talking about this kind of change in my focus over the last few months, it's like, I look at, we kind of get caught up in this social media realm of things where we're trying to chase what other people have. And like, you see all these guys that are out there hunting, you know, 50, 60, 80 days plus a year. And like, you get envious, like you can't not be envious of that. Like we all love this. We would love to be doing it. But in the end, it's like, like what's their home life? Like, are they, are they happily married or do they they have a great relationship with their kids? Maybe they do. Maybe they're just incredibly, like energetic people and they have all the energy in the world and they can be all things to all people at all times. But my guess is it's probably a hole in the game somewhere. And, you know, all of us only have one chance at this. And if I got to look back at it, I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I would have like gone to Billy's gymnastics class that night instead of going deer hunting for an hour. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to look back at that stuff and wish I didn't miss those things. Right. Well, you know, I think, where, like you said too, Bill, where we're sitting, especially the four of us, like we're, we don't have those TV shows on the outdoor channel and all that stuff. And I mean, you could look up some of these guys' net worth and they're in the millions. So whether mm, you're, sure. in, you're in, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. I mean, like you just said, would it be cool to go, Hey, we're, let's go to Kansas. Hey, let's go to Kentucky. Hey, let's do this and do that. But I mean, if it's not paying the bills and you know, if we if we're able to go out once, you know, a trip somewhere for like a week or whatever, have it and come back home. And man, that's what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all see this and we kind of feel like we're like me and you and Dimitri, like, like we're, we're putting a lot of energy into this stuff and you feel like, man, if I'm going to chase it, like I'm going to chase, I'll make this work. And then it's like, and I'm speaking for myself, like I'm saying, man, this is not, I'm not seeing any more money coming in. I'm seeing a ton of time going out and like, where is the, is the point here? Like I've built something, like I have something, I have 
of a following that we have. And we've got, it's not even so much a following. I hate saying that. Like we've got a core, we've started it local and we've kept it mainly local based and focused. And we've got like, literally we've got people that are now coming hunting with us that met us through the podcast. That's awesome. And people that are relying on us that are new to hunting that are asking questions and want to know what guns to buy and what load should they use? What arrows? Like that's the, that's the purpose. Like that's why we're here. And I, you know, I see what a lot of these guys have. Like I had that opportunity to, to meet, um, Caleb Copeland, the owner of Copeland creative. And he, you know, he travels all over the country all year round with John Dudley and Lee and Tiffany. And like, you look at that life and you're like, man, like that is amazing. He's living it up. Like he is all over the place, but the sacrifice, you know, we talked about it on the, when he was on the podcast with us, like he's gone for like at times, like months on end without seeing his wife and his kids. And then he's 24 hours home seeing them for two days and then back on the road. And like you start to see inside of the industry, you start to see inside of what people are doing in order to, to make it. And he's made it, but like, man, there's a lot of sacrifice there. And like, he's an awesome dude. You can tell that he's passionate about what he does and that's outstanding. But, um, you know, the reality starts to set in to like what you're willing to sacrifice to do some of this stuff. And right. I'm a deer hunter. Like, that's what I like. I'm sitting here looking at full freezers and Dimitri's looking at full freezer. Like, my, I can't look at my wife can't look at me and say, well, you spent the whole freaking fall and you didn't kill nothing. It's like, yeah, Hey, yep. I got, I got the meats. So Jim, how about you? How, how was that for you this, this past fall? Cause I know like you, you went back home a lot this, uh, well, I shouldn't say back home, like my back home, but, but you hunted the, the, the private club a lot more than you have because you were back on it this year. Yeah. Uh, I got back on the, uh, the old family club and, uh, it was really a blessing because I was able to, it's only an hour ride. So I'm able to get in, get my hunts in, um, put in the the time I felt like was necessary to try to put myself in a good position to be successful, but without interrupting the household, you know, the, a lot of the, you know, my heart and soul is in a lot of the public land areas that I've hunted over the years, but that takes that, that's like a, you know, those are full, those are full day events and, or full weekend events. And that takes a tremendous amount of time and puts a tremendous amount of stress on, on the household. And, um, you know, her and I opened up lines of communication a lot better this year with, you know, when she gets, um, as she's ready to throw the white flag up, she tells me ahead of time, you know, and we kind of plan, I plan my hunts around how things are going. And, uh, and, and also like what Dimitri and Billy said, I, you know, I don't want to miss out on key things, uh, with daycare. And, you know, my, my, my little guy started uh, T-ball and like all this stuff, you know, I, I don't, those are all key things that I want to be a part of, um, while still balancing, you know, what we're passionate about. So it just all comes down to communication and planning and making the best of the time that you're given. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now do you guys think that, you know, cause obviously we're not doing this for a, a job or, you know, the income, but you know, we, we both kind of going on the social media aspect, you know, we've passed posts and, and different things that people that are doing this for, you know, uh, a lifestyle and income and, you know, their job, but, you know, and some of the things we see on social media, I mean, people have to be shaking their heads, right. You know, cause I mean, if they don't get the follows and the likes and the sponsorships and, you know, the more people that they have involved in their social media, the better they're going to look to bring in money. Right. You know, but some of these things that we've seen, 
we shake our head at, we've, you know, laughed at, you know, and we can't believe that someone would post that, you know, do you feel like, you know, that's kind of bad for the industry and hunting in general, because, you know, we do it cause we love it. And, you know, some of the things that we've seen people do, you know, it's not that they thought it was the right thing to do or, you know, because they loved or wanted to do it. It's because they knew that that was going to get the social media engagement that they, that they need and they wanted. Yeah. I don't know if you want to, you yeah, that Jim or <laughs> you, no, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. You go ahead. Yeah, Bill. I mean, for me, it's that's a big thing that's like that has turned me off. Once you get to see inside the curtain about how all this stuff works, like you quickly get to see who the people are, what they're all about, who's legit, who's just doing it because that's what they're trying to sell today, and like that—that's life, that's business. Everybody's trying to earn a living, like. I, you know, in my life, I could be selling a product today and I lose my job and go work for the competitor and start selling. It's no different. But, you know, when you're, when you open up your phone and everything is just an ad now, it's like everybody's trying to sell something. It just kind of like turns you off. Like that's kind of turned me a little bit off to social media. Like last year I went through and, and we were, we were following about as many people as were following us. And I went through and, and there was so many brands and all this stuff was, when you're starting to build your podcast or build your, your channel, like you want to try to engage with all these different people and say, Hey, like I'm using your product. Like I, I'm passionate about it. And then you start to see how all this is working. And it's like, I don't have tits. I'm really not that good looking. Um, and I don't have a ton of money that I'm sinking into this. So like, I'm, it's, that's, this is who I am. Like I like to go out and shoot does and, and six pointers that's probably not very marketable for some of these companies yet. But, um, yeah. And I, I put a lot of actually last, it would have been the fall of 21. I put a lot of time and energy into a, a particular brand, um, doing a bunch of, I did pictures for them with a buddy of mine who's a photographer and I still use a brand. I'm still passionate about it, but I've like really thought that there was an opportunity for me to like work with them and they were talking that way. And then they just totally ghosted me, which is fine. And then, and then I see the people that they decided to grab onto and start marketing their product. And I'm like, oh, like those people, they're not even, they're not even real. Like they're not even real people. Like they're not out there shooting deer and, and processing them and living a lifestyle. Like they're just, they're instant famous, you know? So I think, and I, but I think we're so hyper-focused on this that we become like we think everyone else is thinking about the same stuff. I have tons and tons and tons and tons of friends and people that I watch on Facebook and stuff. They have no interest, no care, don't pay attention. They don't even know who F these people are. Like they just want to go out and hunt every Saturday and Sunday in November and December. And that's all they care about. So like, I think we're very hyper-focused on that. I think it's a problem in our lives, but is it a problem with the whole industry? Probably not. Some of these stupid posts. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your I'd like to. I'd like to add that, you know, some of the best hunters that I know and best hunters I've ever met are not even active on social media. Yeah. And, you know, some of the greatest hunts I've ever had in my life have not been documented with a camera, um, have not been, uh, you know, <clears throat> video recorded or put on a podcast or talked about, you know, like even the things that we did this year, Billy with the, with the gang was like, you know, that would have made some of the most epic footage and probably some of the greatest content that you could probably put out there um, for certain people. And like, you know, it, it just, 
it's it, I'm more about being in the present now and being enjoying those moments and not having to worry about what everyone else thinks of it. And uh, if I'm able to share it with other people, like on a podcast, or if we happen to grab a couple of pictures, fantastic. But um, that's not like the main focus anymore. Right. right. I think Billy, you hit the nail on the head with the whole. Um, is it a problem? industry wide and you know because like you said there are people that don't know them don't care don't have social media and actually pro i mean get a good bit of knowledge and information from just going into their local shop you know whether it be a archery pro shop whether it be just a gun shop like hey okay what's the new gun hey what's this because i like buying guns i like buying bows hook me up with this okay thanks i'm going in the woods do you know what i mean like i know yeah. um when uh, I met up with, with Mike and uh, what two summers ago, whatever, and I went out to meet up with our, our buddy Paul at his shop, like there was a ton of people flowing in and out that were, you know, older than me, you know, either late 40s, you know, early 50s, 60s that, you know, they're not using social media, but then they came in and shot the shit like the best of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I agree with everything you said. And it's, you know, I, I feel like we've obviously, too, have taken a, a step back with posting and all that stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just it's not what it was like four years ago, three years ago. Yeah. And I it's think there's. Yeah, it is. And uh, but it's funny, though, when you see like newer individuals starting up and messaging and like asking to get to certain things or like whatever. And it's like, oh, man, I just I don't know how to reply to that without kind of being like you know i my remarks it's just like hey just be you that's all i usually say just have fun with it those new up-and-coming podcasts jeremy or have no clue the work that you and well, billy put in well it's to get to where you guys are right now well it's not know? even the podcast it's like just the i think it's more so of of uh like uh like like products or whatever like that like you know like obviously yeah like i had the opportunity to work with with tethered and and do but like those were relationships like that like that whole my connection with tethered was a freaking like accident like that wasn't a thing where anybody really sought anybody out it was just like people talking and and a relationship kind of clicked yeah. right like they had nothing to do with like hey i want to do this like it was none of that it was just some random click and uh that's it so it's like so if i if someone wants advice on that like i can't give that because it was just random so well you you have to you have to make yourself you have to be a marketable individual and you have to be approachable and and be yourself and be real like i think that's i we we we're now the old guys like in this world that's moving so fast like we we both started our platforms back in that 2018, 2019, I started our pages and then the podcast started growing and we were right there. We're right kind of with each other throughout this whole process. And it's been fun to watch that, but like you get a hundred plus episodes in, like you've like, you've put some freaking work in yeah. and, and you've talked, you figure out what works, what doesn't work. And I don't know what works or what doesn't work as far as what gets people to download. It seems like if you, if it's not something that has in this region, if it's not something that has to do with the Adirondacks or a big woods buck, no one really, it doesn't hit anything. Like it doesn't hit an algorithm, doesn't go anywhere. But, you know, I see, I see the, like you, to your point, you see these new businesses starting up and, and kids are just, and they're kids. They're just dumping money 
into Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and it's just like spamming all. And it's like, you, then you pull up their pictures, and you're like, what are you? It's like you look like you literally just rolled out of bed, and your pictures are terrible. Like there's no effort. Like if you go back and look at the stuff that, like you're very good with a camera, uh, and you do great work with that, and your pictures are beautiful. And like that's marketable. Like that's interesting to companies. They see that, like, oh, cool, I'll share that and I'll post it. But like some of this stuff, like people are, they're just totally unaware to what they're putting out there, and and that makes them look. It just on devaluates them immediately as soon as their their content's put out there. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the problem is is also a lot of these companies in the industry too, right? You know, they're mm-hmm. picking who they want to sponsor or, you know, partner with too, which is kind of encouraging, you know, the, the social media aspect too, right. You know, if you're not big on social media, you don't have a lot of followers, then you're not really a nobody. So you're not going to get that sponsorship or, you know, that company to work with you. So if some of these companies would just take a deeper dive of who they're going to look sponsor and who they're going to work with might, uh, you know, kind of put it as social media is not a big factor in that decision, you know, maybe there'd be less kind of stupid posts out there, you know, just yeah. to get that engagement. Cause people are going to post what, what's going to get the likes and what's going to get the follows. And you know, that's, what's going to make them look good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally think that, you know, you look at the 2019, 2020, like those companies like Sitka, like, uh, First Light, somewhat, not so much, but Sitka was one where you just, everybody, you heard stories of like, oh yeah, like they don't pay you anything, but they just send you like $2,000 worth of gear to like wear and take pictures with. And like, you're, you're a Sitka athlete, but it's like, they just sent you a bunch of stuff. Like there's value there, but like, so the the whole market just gets flooded with that. And then these companies, as far as that business model, like they give out all this free product why am I going to go? I have a, a bin full of sick of gear that is awesome gear. It's not going to fail me. If it does, you send it back and they fix it or replace it. Like you kind of screwed yourself because you just gave all of your stuff away, which is high end price point. And then everyone knows that either you can get it for free or you can buy it at a Supreme discount. So then how much are they really selling when you go to a sportsman's warehouse or Dick's sporting goods or whatever you're, you know, Shields or whatever your store is locally, Cabela's, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Like, so yep. these companies just like fill the market with that. All these people are wearing this stuff and you're like, how in the hell did you afford like all that gear that you're wearing right now? It's because you got it either for free or at a supreme discount, which is great, but it's just not relatable to the guy who grinds Monday through Friday and then wants to go out and hunt like five times a year. And that's the majority of people. The majority of hunters are not logging their hunts and knowing how many days they were out there and they're not doing this 12 months out of the year. It's just a hobby. That's something that they do love, but they aren't going to spend $3,000 on equipment every year. It's a very small number of people that are doing that. It's those memes from, uh, that we always see during rifle season when, what is it? The guy from the office when he's like all wearing his hoodie and he has, has like his hands like this, whatever, all acting all thuggish. And he's like, you spend, months chasing your deer for with the bow and this guy first day kills it with the rifle or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's oh exactly God. right. Yep. No, that's good stuff, man. I, I, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's funny because 
a for, two former students of mine, uh, they, their family has some uh, huge hunting heritage under them. And uh, they just started like following us or heard about us. Like finally, like realized that like Demetri and I and Jim and, and Mike and, you know, that we have this platform uh, going. So like, it's cool to hear more locally. And when I was talking to their dad, I was like, yeah, I really would like us to, you know, kind of like what you guys got going on, Bill, like have a little bit more of a, uh, like a group or like you said, not necessarily a following, but just like a more of a presence locally, uh, just that mm-hmm. way people can hear about it and stuff like that. And that's probably like, honestly, like a goal for us is, is to try to do that, you know, earlier this year, um, I did, uh, a, like a Belfont local outdoor thing and, you know, had a couple people, you know, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's a challenge, I guess, to try to grow locally when it's such a big and kind of weird area that, that we live in where it is a huge hunting area, but then it's also not because like the good for the, having such a big hunting area is, you know, obviously a lot of people are interested in hunting, but the bad part about that is it's like, well, you know, people want to talk, but people don't want to talk. If that makes sense. <laughs> right. Right. So. Most yeah, of the like, people and most of the people, hunters in Pennsylvania aren't um, like the new age hunters either. They're all very old school. Yeah. They don't really know about podcasts and the latest gear. They don't watch YouTube reviews. You know, they've been hunting this, they hunt the same tree in the same ladder stand that their grandpappy built, you know, in 1960. And uh, they have a good time doing it, and they and they wouldn't want to have it wouldn't want to have it any other right. way. So right, right. you uh, can't fault them to, for uh, that, right? You can't fault them either for that. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And and I think that's where you you know if you, you focus on that, like that's what that's what matters to people. And um, you know, getting back to the basics, getting back to what you love. Like I I just for so this year um, kind of pivot a little bit, I guess, but similar discussion like. I don't know if you do you guys keep track of your of your sits like how many like when you sit the dates the the morning night spot deer you saw do you guys keep track of that stuff i do yes i did a little bit more this year than i have in years past do you want to know what my reasoning is for it yeah go for it i want to know I, I i do it so i can show my wife proof of how much i actually hunted <laughs> so i can say here this is your perception and this is reality yep. okay Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I, I hunted way, way more last year and I actually can't find my spreadsheet and I may not have actually kept one last year. I thought I did, but I don't know. But this year I ended up, um, it's fun to look back at it because in the past years I spent a lot of time like doing all day sits and like really grinding it out. And obviously it depends on how your season falls and how, how your success is. I never really had to do that during archery cause I shot my buck on October 14th and I just didn't have to do that. But it was interesting the way that my season played out because I didn't, I I was able to spend more time like just going with the flow and hunting when the weather was right. And I only hunted 23 times total. And that's either, you know, a sit or an all day. So it doesn't, it just, if I went in the woods, that counted as going out. Um, So I, I only hunted five mornings, uh, which is, lower than I would say normal, um, and five mornings, 10 evening sits, and then eight were all day. So the, uh, almost a good portion of my hunting and those all days were all, all during gun season and all still hunting. I didn't do any all day sits any more. I didn't ever sat in a tree stand for more than 
three or four hours at the most. Um, everything was, and if I was in the woods for the day, I was literally moving all day long. And that, like, I don't know if you guys hunt a lot like that, but that is just my favorite. Like, that has become my favorite way to deer hunt, especially once, I mean, obviously gun, it's much better when you got a gun in your hand to do that. But, man, I just, I just hit the ground running came come gun season and just covered a shitload of ground, saw a lot of new habitat, a lot of new area, saw a lot of cool things. And, uh, and it just, it's, it's my favorite. Now I, I can't stop thinking about just getting in the woods and just going with no agenda. I mean, do you guys ever do that? I, I guess I don't know if I ever hear you guys really talk about your, I know you do a lot of mobile, mobile hunting, but. Demetri, you go ahead. You could. Um, you know, I think a lot of in archery, especially early on, I'm kind of just kind of going with the flow. You know, there's a lot of times where the weather might not be right or uh, the wind direction might not be the best for some of my, I would say, prime spots or, you know, uh, historical spots. So, you know, I will just kind of dive into a new piece or a piece I've scouted. And, you know, I do that a lot in the earlier uh, season, which I've had success, you know, doing that too. But and again, I think I've talked about it before is I think when you do that, you kind of look of what's in front of you a lot more. You know, if you're in a new piece and you didn't, you know, you, you scouted it maybe a little bit, but you haven't put boots on the ground, you look at the detail. What's the fresh sign? You know, you find in a fresh rub or scrape, or you seen where the acorns are dropping. So you pay attention a little bit more. I feel like if you do that, um, and I had pretty good success this year with that uh, early on. So, yeah, I think it can be beneficial sometimes. How about you, Jim? Uh, I guess to back up a little bit, I had uh, I had nine all-day sits, three half days, and one was, uh, you know, not even a half day. It was like two and a half hours. Um, and that includes my trip with the boys out, uh, uh, the public land trip at the end of the year. Okay. And, awesome. um, how many, so totally you were like 15 ish, 15 ish. Yeah. 15 wow. and a quarter and a quarter, which sounds like a lot. Don't tell my wife, <laughs> which, which sounds, it sounds like a lot, but I actually had way more than that last year. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had, uh, let's see, I'll pull up my paper and work here quick. And that includes, I had New York as well, right? That includes my trip to New York as well. Yes. Wow. Uh, last year I had 13 all day sits, five half days and two quarter days. So. And I mean, there, there's a huge difference right there that we like the opportunity we have in New York compared to what you guys have in Pennsylvania, gaining those Sundays. And then our season, I guess our seasons are about the same in length, but we don't have the closure that you guys do there for that one week. And like, that's a big difference. I mean, you really can't compare deer hunting in New York to deer hunting in Pennsylvania. Because yeah. you guys just don't have the, the opportunity. You don't have the tags. You don't have the deer density. It's a totally different world. Well, think about it like this, Billy. When, when I came out with the gang, right, that was three days, right, three right. days of hunting. When I went up uh, with Donnie and, and the boys up in uh, New York, that was uh, Saturday, Sunday. That was two days. That's five days out of that 15 days right there. So that means I only had 10 days in Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah, you didn't so, take off any days. You just you just hunted the I Saturdays. just hunted. I hunted every weekend that I was able to hunt. Yeah. And that's it. I was the week. I was literally the weekend warrior, like everybody else is. And um, you know, the hindsight is that you know I, 
I wish I could have had more, but I, uh, I capital, I capitalized on the time that I was given. I filled my freezer. Um, so I, I can't really say that it, it was definitely a successful season for sure. Given the short amount of time, it's just, um, uh, we all wish we could have more time, but that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast. So you need to tell Brock to give you more time off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I utilize, I utilize a guy, guy shoots tack with you, us and won't even give you time off to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to, he's trying to put together. He wants to go, he wants to go hunt hogs. That's what he wants to do. That's his, that's his next goal. He wants to go to hunt hogs in like, uh, in like March or April this year. That's like his next thing. Let's, that's a story for another day. Let's yeah, I was going to say, let's skip tack this year and go hunt hogs then yeah, on, that's on kind, Brock. That's, kind of, that's what he's getting at. That's yeah. kind of what he's getting at. Yeah. I'm down. down with that. Yeah. I would be too. I'm Where, like, he, like see, Tioga ranch or something or where do you think? Yeah. Well, he was looking at Tennessee, Virginia kind of, you know, he's looking at one of those, uh, like, you know, outfitter type setups Yeah, where you go yeah. for a, go for a weekend. If you ever want a good hog hunt story, ask Ian, who we just oh, had yeah. on the podcast, about his uh, hog hunt. It was it will blow your mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> it is a good one. <laughs> See, Brock's just Brock's just trying to, uh, and if he listens to this, uh, he's going to get a kick out of it because he he's so I got him into hunting a couple of years ago, and he's still yet to kill anything. So, and he's, and he's stubborn because I, he, he asked for advice in small bits, but he won't ever fully listen because he wants to feel like he did it all himself. Yeah. Two days before archery season, Jaybird, you gave me the wrong stuff for Tether. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he, no, I yeah, didn't. He, he's throwing his gear together last minute and he's just, he, he tries hard and his I heart's in the right place, but he's, uh, I wish he would just let his guard down a little bit and let me help him a little more, but. <laughs> Uh, but hey, whatever to his to, to, to his their own. But that's why you kind of want to do a hog hunt because he feels like he can go out there and just kind of you know lay something down for the first time and get get the experience. Bloodthirsty. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'd, so I, I, de- I derailed that conversation. I'm sorry. What, no, what were we talking about? Just like how many days you were able to get out and um, you know your time spent. Like because this actually brings up a good another good pivot to regarding that because like myself Jim this is a conversation you you and I seem to have like weekly but it's one of those where I'm in the same boat I was about 15 to like maybe 20 something including like late season stuff like not a lot but I still feel like to go back on just going out in the woods and kind of going with the flow Bill and Dimitri like for me this year when I hunted a lot back in Northeast PA kind of put all my eggs in that basket and I was on deer a lot, just the closing opportunities didn't present themselves. But at the same time I was, I was in it. It wasn't a lot of sits where I was like, man, I didn't see anything today. Like nothing came by. Like I didn't have a lot of those. So it was, it was a win, but not really a win if that makes sense. Right. But I still, and Jim, this is where I want you to kind of chime in with, even though I was on deer middle, early October, that type, type of stuff, man, it really still doesn't get going really hard in certain spots that I hunt until Halloween ish. You know what I mean? Like that late, like I know people will say, man, when you get that first cold front in like our middle of October, like it could be dynamite. Like, yeah, it a hundred percent can be right. You got to have that spot. You got to have to have that deer in that area, obviously, but man, like where I've kind of always either found or scouted, especially this year where I've been all on a quote unquote more mature, mature deer, it still wasn't ramping up until Halloween. And like I, our, our Tom, Timmy Tom, that, that, you know, obviously our good friends, he 
rarely hunts October. Like he's out scouting a lot more. And then he has that full three weeks off that he obviously saves for in November. Like I can't do that, but at the same time I could save a little bit more time, hunt that end of October more and November more during the rut rather than being like, Hey, it's October 16th. It's still the high, the low is going to be 47. Like, great. Like, I, like you were going backwards to saying with our families, that could be a great time where, you know what, I'm going to just spend the day with you guys. If the evening you guys aren't doing anything and I could go out maybe for an hour or two hours, like, cool, that might be a great thing to do. But Demetri, how you were saying, you know, years past, we'd be like, it's the morning, I'm going out, you know, but that's where I want to, for me personally, I want to go towards like putting my, now put my eggs in the basket of like, let's wait, wait until the end of October, November, uh, go out scouting a little bit more. In, in November, like obviously bring the bow in hand, but I'd rather do that, try to find sign, locate deer rather than just be like, I'm going to go sit here today and maybe something will happen. So I don't know. That's Jim, what, it, cause this is something you and I've talked about. Yeah. It's about being more strategic with your hunts, you know, planning yeah. it better. Um, I think, you know, the areas that you and I have hunted over the years now, we, we have pretty much dialed. It's about just fine tuning it and, getting in there at the right time and knowing when that right time is identifying the sign. So we just got to be more strategic. I mean, it's kind of neat to track your days because it's, it's kind of a fun uh, challenge to, to try to fill your freezer in the least amount of sits as possible. Right. Isn't that the, wouldn't that be a definition of a successful hunter? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's neat that way. I would like to see, uh, you know, my hunting time go from, you know, 10 days in Pennsylvania to like 20 days in Pennsylvania. Now that I'm sitting here talking, saying this out loud, I'm going to have to have a conversation with my wife. Cause that is like, I wait all year for 10 days. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I didn't mean to bring anything up. It caused any yeah. trouble in the up. I'll say, uh, go ahead, Dimitri. I was just going to say, I won't calculate how many sits I've had and been out in the woods this year. So <laughs> it's probably quite a bit. <laughs> I was going to say, Dimitri, you only had like four sits, like four deer and four sits or something yeah. like that. <laughs> no, you guys probably had less deer, but better percentage than I did. Cause I was, I still was out there quite a bit, but, um, but no, I'm fortunate that even though I'm trying to spend time with the family and, and tone it down, I still pretty fortunate to be able to do a lot of sits and, you know, archery rifle late season. And I still get to go out quite a bit. Uh, it's it comes down to like where um where you have access and property and stuff to hunt too yeah. right whether yeah. it be public or private or what have you if it's you know billy's got the farm down the street that he's able to go to um you know I, dimitri you said that you've had some you know relatives that have some property nearby jeremy lives right next to state game lands i have a little bit of a drive for most of the stuff i have to get to but you know that 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 makes a that makes a big difference yep yeah and, and I've never, the, the buck I shot this year, it's the earliest I've, I've ever shot a buck. And I've always, every buck I've ever shot with my bow has always been in those last few days of October. And that's because that's where I was spending all my time during archery. And, uh, and it just, the weather lined up. Like we've had great success here in New York, right around, uh, it's Columbus day, right? That's in, November. that's in October. That's Columbus day. We like we yeah, almost yeah. always get a decent front day. right around Columbus Day, or is that Indigenous people? Am I offending anybody? Sorry, I was trying to almost to get all one of the answers. Yeah, 
Call me Christopher. Well, oh, <laughs> you can't say master anymore either. So it's, no, you know, right. Oh my gosh. Um, but we like historical uh, experience. You know, like I've had a lot of my friends shoot deer in the right around the fifteenth of October, and then it always does seem to die off a little bit. And you know, I went out, and it's just. I think it goes back to the point you guys are making of just capitalizing the opportunities you have because you don't know. None of none of the four of us have properties where we know we've got multiple hundred and twenty inch deer. Like you might have one. Right. You might have one. Like we had a couple giant bucks during the summer and you get all excited about it and then they disperse. And you might get lucky and, and see one of them. We've got the one big buck on our property that he's gonna be five now. We know he made the season, but like he was almost I saw him the night I shot my buck on the 14th. He didn't come down to my end of the field. I shot the one that came down to my end of the field. I had that opportunity where I was like, God, do I shoot this deer or not? And it's like, he's 30 yards broadside. It's a deer that I said I wanted to shoot. Like just shoot the damn deer. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Because I had no guarantee that I would have another shot opportunity at decent buck. And you just don't know how your season's going to play out. So how many guys out there, and this goes, um, Dan Johnson, Nine Fingers Chronicle, he's been posting those videos of all those bucks that he's finding the videos of and saying, he's like, I am pissed at myself for not shooting this deer. And it's like, shoot the damn deer. Like, if you have the opportunity and it's a good, clean shot and you want to kill it, just kill the deer. And that's why we're out there. You know, like, we don't have these managed properties where we've got huge bucks around every tree. You know, it's just, it's just not the way it is in our neighborhoods. Yep. Well, I'd like to weigh in on this. You know, <laughs> get him, you. get him, Jim. I know you're yeah, yeah. you're getting ready if, for it. If you, I've been to New York State and toured the, uh, the luxurious uh, lodges and garages of the uh, Pertnier clan. The mini Iowa. I can tell you, there's a lot of big bucks on those walls. So to say there that is. there's a limit of uh, 120 inch. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Uh, those boys have been successful and to do it in the properties that they do it is uh, pretty incredible. So I like to bust their chops because we live in Pennsylvania and uh, you know, we shoot half horn three pointers down here, but uh, <laughs> they work just as hard for it up there. As do we. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just, nothing makes me happier than to come down there and within six hours have a buck on the ground that would have been a good one next year. But that's just, Billy calls a shot every year. You typically first day, first drive. Billy's yeah. cracking one off the 300 wind mag. Cannon. No, it's a seven mag. Oh, Jim. seven millimeter mag. I'm sorry. Yeah. Trigger, trigger shoots the 300. That's right. Okay. I'm not man enough. He told me I'm not man enough to shoot the 300. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's those opportunities, you know, like yep. that buck, the buck I shot in PA, it was, I mean, that whole scenario went down in all of, it couldn't have been more than 10 seconds. You know, I was on a finger ridge heard deer crash into my right. I peeked over, I seen him running and I just stood there for just a brief second. And I'm like, I should check the other side of this Ridge because I'm right at the end of the point And it's only maybe 10 yards wide. I'm like, these deer could easily just be wrapping right around this point. And I just, it was, it's pine trees on top, moss quiet. And I just took a few steps over and popped my head over. I'm leaning up. I, this is a hot tip. And I, I was watching a video the other day, guys doing deer drives. What you got to find every time you're in the woods doing a, doing any still hunting or a drive, I'm always trying to find where's the next tree I'm getting to. So I have a good rest to be up against to be firm to make a shot. And I was watching a video yesterday, sidebar, 
and these guys were just like freehand, just shooting all over the place and missing deer. Wham, and I'm wham. like, I'm, yeah. And there's, there's literally, they have their backs to a tree. I'm like, step back, brace on the tree, and you are going to be rock solid to make that shot. But I, I went from that one side of that to the other, and I pop my head over. I'm up against the tree, and I look over, and the first thing I see is a, is a, is a deer broadside, 60, 80 yards see the beams and I'm like, and just on his shoulder shot. I mean, it all happened so fast. If I would have hesitated for one second, that deer is moving and I'm never getting a shot at him. Like it doesn't, doesn't happen. It's the only buck I had a shot at the whole weekend. I was down there, you know, walking 20 miles or whatever we walked. So it's just like capitalizing the opportunities. That's the biggest challenge. I mean, all of us spend the time, all of us get deer in front of us. It's just, you got to kill, you got to learn to do it. You got to get good at it. And you're going to miss your shots. You're going to miss your opportunities. You're going to step on that stick and spook that deer in front of you. But you got to you got to learn to to do those things. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But um, I'm I'm getting there. I'm I'm not shooting big bucks every year, but I'm shooting deer, and I'm pretty proud of that. Yep. I would say again, kind of a whole nother pivot because it was on my mind when we were talking about the time, accolading to to go out and hunt, and how many days and. I would say like for me, since I was traveling at ho- back at home, my biggest takeaway was seeing all the sign during rifle season when I was going in there walking around because I wasn't doing that during archery season because I was pulling all day sits where I was pulling like a half day sit here and I knew the area I was kind of going to going to go into and maybe scout my way in a little bit, but I knew the vicinity. Does that make sense? And when during the rifle season, when it's, you know, bright as day out now, I'm like walking through here. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at this sign. Like, look at this. Like I was, I was, I just maybe missed it or whatever. So that was the hard part because it was two, you know, two and a half hours away. So I didn't have the time to be like, Hey, after work, I'm going to go drive home and go scout. You know what I mean? And I didn't do that here where I live. And that is something this spring uh, and summer, I would like to do a little bit more of, and of have some spots here for kind of like, like I said, those Saturday, early Saturdays during, you know, October, maybe come hunt here and save those spots. The, that I know back at home, like historically, or, you know, doing a little bit of scouting during the preseason too, back at home at times, just to verify and make sure. But yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from how many days and my struggles from this past year with that. Billy, we just wrapped up talking a little bit about out of state stuff. And obviously you've hunted a crap ton out of various states, going to Colorado and coming to PA and what other states have you been able to hunt in? That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pennsylvania and Colorado are my two where I frequented. Do you do any points for any other state or wish to get anywhere else? So I'm, I'm into Iowa for four. This will be my fourth year coming up, putting in for Iowa. Um, Arizona, I, I got to get back. I think I'm, I'm, I know I missed last year. So I think I've got a couple points for Arizona. Um, okay. But, like, I for me – like we've you, we've all heard the discussions about the point stands. Like how many places, like how many years are we all really going to have to go on? Like I'm not going to do a trip every year. It's just not feasible, right? With everything, so it's like you're going to have all these points for all these things in all these states. You're spending all this money when it's like I can. That's why I've fallen in love with Pennsylvania, and we've got you know Vermont and Maine, like 
Ohio's within driving to, you know, Dimitri went out there. It's like, we have a lot of these areas where we can go and do our own adventures without having to just like invest all this money and, and all this time and resources to, you know, drive across the country and hope to God that there isn't somebody in the area that you're, that you're hoping to go hunt. Like you guys have experienced that. I've experienced that. Um, I love the Western adventures. It's, it's made me a better hunter at home, like dramatically, uh, because I'm, I'm, learn to look for where to look for things i learned you know how the thermals work and it just makes your brain work on a you're looking at this bigger scale and then you can come home and look at something smaller and put the pieces together it's made me a better hunter um but i think that's the big thing like if somebody isn't in that game yet and hasn't started putting in for points i would definitely encourage those people to say hey like can you go to your neighboring state and go hunt some public land and get some experience on what it's like to to leave your your house or your cabin and go hunt somewhere completely strange Yeah, because you can invest years of money and time into preparing for that hunt to go out West. And it could be exactly what you're not expecting it to be. Um, that's just yeah my thoughts on, on that. Let me ask you about Iowa. So this year will be four points. Do you want to try to pull with four or are you going to go with five? It really, it depends on, on my, my buddies here. You know, we've all, we've all been putting in. So, okay. you know, we're, we're kind of, we've been in this rhythm since 2017 of every other year we've done a Western hunt. So the conversations are kind of starting now between myself and AJ and Brian and Tard and, and uh, you know, that's our main core group of guys that travels together. And what, what do we want? Do we want to do a trip this year? Who, who wants to go where do we want to do, We've, we've done muzzleloader uh, elk and deer in Colorado, and that's something that we all love to do. And if you pick certain units, you can almost do it without even using a point. So, you know, we we kind of like that idea because the muzzleloader is something we're all confident with. And I'd much rather carry a, a muzzleloader than carry a bow. I mean, I've done one full archery hunt and one half archery hunt out west. I, I shot my mule deer in 2017 and then went with the bow after elk. And like, I'm not a call, like, I don't know, like if I had more time and more experience, maybe I could have the confidence to go out there with a bow and get in range. But like you go out there when I was out there in 21, it's like we were seeing elk every day, but they were in places that you physically cannot get, like you can't get there. Like Aaron Snyder might be able to get there and risk his life of dying and falling off a cliff that's not my agenda, you know? So like I'm looking over there and see, it's like, wow, there's the herd. Like there's a couple really nice bulls in there, but it's like, we're just going to sit over here for a while and, and watch and listen and see if they move. Cause there's not a lot that I have the talents and the skills to do to get after them. I know there's people that do it, but it's, it's a pretty hard to attain thing to shoot an elk with your bow. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. So I'm all about those high percentages. You know, if I'm going to take that trip, I'm going to go high percentage. But to answer your question, it, Iowa's probably not this year. I'm probably end up having more points than what I need to have to draw Iowa when we actually decide we're going to go to Iowa. It'll probably be in a couple of years, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, I think, because uh, I'm, I'm in the exact same point as you. This year will be four for me. Mm-hmm. And I next year, I, I, will, I already have two points for Kansas, and this year I would like to pull a Kansas tag this year. Um so kind of talking to the guys about, you know, you have a chance with zero points, obviously, to pull it. And I know Tim has 
uh, two points as well, and he wants to go. So I know he's like already in. So it's just a matter of um, who else wants to try to put in for it and go and 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 when exactly. So we're tossing some ideas around for certain times and dates and stuff like that. So just to that way, if like Dimitri is really interested and wants to do it or Jim and, you know, that way we could kind of come up with like these two kind of slots are where we're kind of looking and thinking um, as far as when to go. So see, we're going to try to nail it down because I think that is April 1st through the 28th for Kansas. So is the, is the entry time? time yeah. On? Yeah. Yep. So and it's cheap. I think for a point for there's like 28 bucks. I mean, the tag is the tag's expensive. The tag's like four hundred bucks, but but you don't have to buy the license to get a point, right? No, no, that is just okay. a straight. It's yeah. just like Iowa. You just put in the whatever the point. Now, obviously, Iowa's what fifty bucks or sixty bucks, but um, yeah, 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 and that's and that's where like Arizona's a killer because you got to buy the license and the points. In Colorado, now you buy the license and the points, and it's just like you know it, the money just starts to become. It's like, I, you know, so if I'm going to be buying points, I might as well be trying to go hunt every, every other year, every couple of years, just so I can utilize the money I'm investing into it. Cause it's like, you're doing it, you know, but yeah. that, that's where it's like we on the, and I've, I've heard more discussion about it. And I think there's a lot, there's more podcasts coming out Northeast East coast guys where it's like, like we can go to the Adirondacks, we can go to Vermont and Maine and hunt black bears and, you can try to get a moose tag. You can try to get an elk in Pennsylvania. It's it's a it's a far shot to get it, but it's like there's adventure here, you know. Like yep. talked about that on the last podcast too, Dimitri, when we said like there's so much around us. Huge, put on a pack and you're hiking, right? Like you you don't have to go to Colorado to Idaho for that. And I mean, I'm just gonna be frank. Like financially, time wise, um, I don't know, just. Uh, time, like those two th- big things financially and time i just don't know and it's kind of put a i don't want to say a, a bitter taste in my mouth but it's kind of weakened the desire to go out west and do those type of hunts like i'd like my my ultimate quote-unquote whitetail hunt is obviously iowa like that in kansas i really want to do one day and you know hopefully within the next couple of years they're going to happen but then after that i would rather us go to new york i would rather us try to do like you said, go to hunt some black bear in the high Northeast. Like, I don't know. I would just rather go to Maryland than put all that time, money, and effort going out to Colorado where a lot of people are obviously going to do it and maybe have success, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, juice me up like maybe a couple of years ago it did, that it did. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. that was all the hype and it was everybody was talking about like gotta go west gotta go west and you did it you did it we we've done it yep and it's like i my favorite hunt is still going to pennsylvania for three days yeah like you it's the best jim talked about it when he was on telling about his buck story it's like it's the best and you can get doesn't matter if you got 20 guys like we had or you have three people like rent an airbnb you don't need to own a cabin. You don't have to have all this stuff. It's like split an Airbnb for $400 for a weekend, you know, and that's a lot. That's we, it was for us. We had three houses rented. It was a hundred and like 60 bucks a guy for three nights. And then you buy your license for a hundred, what, 120 bucks or whatever. And you buy some food and beer. And it's like, 
you're into a three-day hunt, kick-ass backwoods adventure for like under five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like where are you going? You go to you go to Colorado, like you're into that for. By That's half your tag. Gear and tags and everything, dude. It's it's two grand, like easily. You can't do it for less than that. I mean, anybody that tells you you can, you're not counting all the things that you're spending money on to get prepared for that hunt. Like it's freaking expensive yeah. to go on a western trip if you want to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, and tags out west are keep going up for non-residents every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every as you guys as you guys are talking, Brock has been texting me nonstop with screenshots of different hog hunts. Is he listening? Is that why? Is he? Is I think I think he is. I, yeah. I don't have to ask him. Uh, but but the two he found a two day hog hunt in North Carolina. Two nights, lodging included, one to eight hunters, two hogs included per person. The only thing you got to pay for is your own meals. All right, oh. it's eight hundred bucks. Well, I don't, we have family in North Carolina. Dimitri and I do. So, and that and that eight hundred bucks that includes your license and the whole shit. So, wow. Sweet. I mean that right there, like you just said, you spend a couple hundred bucks. It's a seven hour drive from where we live in Pennsylvania, and you get yourself a hog or two, and have yourself an adventure. <laughs> is uh, is Brock painting his toenails or <laughs> he might be? He <laughs> might beauty tell. It's cold out there. Uh, Jim, when you said we could get a couple of hogs, I've had a couple of hogs in college. Yeah, I've those I've days had a couple of hogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, swamp busters. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if anybody that doesn't understand the reference of beauty toe needs to go back and listen to our podcast from Total Tack. Archery Challenge in two years in, ago, was that 2021? Yeah, there's a bunch of inside jokes that will live in infamy from that podcast. 100%. And I, I do not apologize for my antics and, and language and things that I didn't say in that podcast. I do not. You're very insensitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> SSR. SSR. Oh, my gosh. Awesome stuff. So, Bill, what else do you have? You, Go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Are you guys Are you guys thinking about, like, in your area, is there a lot – do they do is there much for like outdoor shows or like activities and things like that where you guys can engage with people locally and, and go to that stuff? Uh yes and no. Yeah. You know? Obviously you have the out, big outdoor show in Harrisburg, but that's a monstrosity of an event. Yeah, that's eleven days. It's actually pretty cool. Some guy uh, messages us a lot on, on Facebook, which I I love because it's just so cool to, you know, get back and forth with people and uh, he asked if we, we were going to have a booth there this year. And I was like, not this year, <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple of years, that'd be cool, but not this year. Um, but there's, there's some locally, like there's some, like when I say locally within 25 minutes, sometimes they have them. Um, I would definitely would like to maybe do it just to get out there a little bit more again, just to, you know, network if anything, yeah. just to say, Hey, like check us out. And I don't know we've always been open to hunting with other people. You know, if pe- people have land that need deer taken off their land, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dimitri and I are not shy about doing something like that. Right. So I don't know. How about you, Jim? As your furnace is running in my ear real loud right now. That's not, that's not my furnace. It's not. What is it? No. I don't know what that, is. Know what that is. Um, I don't know. I thought it was Billy's, to be could honest. Be but could be Billy's. Don't think that's probably, probably <laughs> He's Billy's. like, don't talk to me. Um, Billy, so 
I we talked about it on a, the other day and, and on one of the podcasts about your event that you guys always do at the end of uh, July. Are you are you guys like married to that end of July date for your big shed fest kind of wrap up for shed fest or or the beer event? The beer event. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do the 30th of July again. Okay. What, what is that? That's a conflict for you, isn't it? Well, uh, as Maybe not. So, like, I know for TAC, it's always a conflict, is oh. like because of um, uh, for PA because my daughter's uh, dance recital is always that Sunday. But we, I don't know what our goal is or plan is for TAC this year. But last year, we should we should let's air that out quick. Let's okay. air it out. Yeah. Are we going to TAC or are we not going to TAC? I I was voting probably not going. Like for myself, I'm okay. I'm okay with not going. I'm assuming Billy and the Pertinier boys don't want to go this year. I'm. What's on my radar is going to. Did you guys hear about Huntstock? Is that that one? You know that is. Is that in Northeast? In, oh, or no, that's the one yeah, in Massachusetts. It's up in. It's in Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. And he did it last year, and it looked like it was a pretty cool event. And he's planning it again for this year, and it's it's the third second weekend of it's like a. <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, like the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth of August. And uh, I like I I really I really am going to try to. That's what one I want to go to because um, it's all it's it's not it's just people like us and and uh, Pat there that puts it together. He's trying to have it be highlighting content creators so like you guys and my ourselves like he wants podcasts youtubers he wants us to be the you know the animals at the zoo like people are there to see us not see some you know hunting brand that's got this big booth and stuff like he wants it to be about the creators and there was some great stuff that happened there last year and that's on my radar it's something different and something I'd like to go to. Yeah, the only you got to come past me, Billy. Yeah, you got to pick me up on the way. Yep. Yeah, we'll meet you. We'll meet halfway. How about that? <laughs> yeah, because the only reason why I asked about the July thing was because last this past July, well, one I was out with Tethered and Montana. That or yeah, that was the Montana weekend. But they're not doing all the tax this year. They're only doing certain ones like Michigan and PA. Oh, yeah. But during that time frame, my daughter had a like she did a play and I know she wants to do it because this year it's little mermaid. So I know she's going to be doing that. And I told Jim, I said, if, if you're heading up, I was going to tell Dimitri, like what we'll do is uh, if he's free that weekend and I'm free that weekend, like Dimitri and I, we would just drive like straight across, meet Jim somewhere, like probably my dad's or no, you would have to come my way. You're straight. You're straight south South. of us. Yeah. So so Jim, you would just come to us and we would drive straight up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we well, wanted I, to do that. I told, I kind of uh, been working on something here with my wife. I, we're looking for like a little, uh, uh, little breeding getaway, if you will. <laughs> 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 we'll just call it what it is. They were all thinking it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so we were going to, we were going to find an Airbnb, uh, somewhere up that way. We were kind of looking at maybe driving into, cause she hasn't really been to Buffalo much. I've been up there quite a bit with buddies that have season tickets and whatever. So I wanted to, you know, take her through town, maybe drive a little further into the, uh, and see Niagara falls and whatever, and just kind of bounce around to Airbnbs and, and obviously make our way to the Pertinier beer day, um, before we head home. So yeah. that's kind of like uh, my, my plan, but you're welcome to, 
you're welcome to come along, Jared. Just uh, you know, when the RVs rock, you have to come and knock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're doing. We are going to do the dates. We're going to do that. It's going to be the 30th, which is a Sunday nice. um, of July. So that'll be our third, our third. No, it'll be our fourth beer event that we've done uh, with Windy Brew, which is a brewery right up the road. My buddy's the brewer there. And uh, each year it's gotten progressively bigger. And, uh, you know, we're, the, the, the whole point of the event is to raise money for uh, conservation or for um, both for conservation and for nonprofit. So, the Denison Donation Coalition is the group that we've been raising money for. That's a nonprofit. Um, and then on the conservation that we've been raising money with our local NDA chapter. So that's been a lot of fun um, engaging with them. And that's, I've found that to be a very uh, rewarding uh, experience, you know, engaging with these local groups and trying to, you know, put a little bit of time and energy into conservation and, and helping out locally, which is something I'm going to be spending a lot of time on, in the next few months of trying to figure out what I can do this year um, to make better use of my time. Right. That's a whole another conversation uh, that you could go down, but uh, conservation, you know, that's very similar to what we were talking about with the marketing and everything else of these companies. Like it was super hip to be involved in all these different groups over the last three or four years. And now it's like, I think a lot of these groups are struggling, but it's because they're all just doing the same things and they're just raising money and you're like wondering what, where the money's going, what it's doing. Um, so I think we're kind of at this, this point right now where, you know, looking at just, I don't know the situation in, in Pennsylvania, but in New York, you know, we've got a lot of like anti-hunting legislation that's out there and being floated out there in the Capitol. And we've got a pretty left leaning like political system here in New York, as most people are aware. And there's a, like there's a fight to keep a lot of the way our ways of life. So, you know, how, how can I best use my time and energy and money if I'm putting it towards a cause, like I want to put it towards, you know, protecting our lifestyle and making sure that we're educating people about why we do what we do. So that, that's a big piece for me and trying to understand like how, how I can best do that. Is it through the podcast? Is it through engaging with my local rod and gun club, which is part of the federations, which is New York state, every region has a, has uh, a federation group right. that ultimately like ranks up to the top of the state. And then you all come together as a one voice that speaks to the state on the different legislation. So like, I'm kind of thinking that's where I need to be spending some of my energy is getting more engaged locally here. Like literally like in my town with the local rotten gun club, because I don't belong. I have never been, don't know anybody there, but it's all a bunch of guys like, my, literally my grandfather's age they're trying to fight the good fight and there's nobody in their 30s who's Doing showing so. up to these meetings so right. that's one thing right there um but shed fest is coming soon so i'm i'm working on putting that together this will be our third year doing that and that's a shed hunting contest um we're going to kind of roll it back to the same format we did in 2020 which was like a photo contest and then with having a, a party at the end. We're going to do the party on the 23rd of April at Windy Brew as well. And, you know, we did that last year. It was awesome. We had probably 75, 80 people there. And it was a hell of a party. And we, did, we raised a bunch of money for the, the Deer Association. We had people brought their horns and had a couple different guys there that are certified scorers with the 
Northeast Big Buck Club and the New York Big Buck Club, and people could actually enter their sheds into the record books, which was really cool. So we're going to be doing that um, again April 23rd will be the date of that. And anybody who wants to participate, kind of keep their eyes peeled. We'll be putting stuff out soon with the T-shirt. I'm in the process of getting that designed and, uh, you know, wrangling up people for sponsoring different prizes and things like that so well let us know like yep let kind us of our two things. let us know we'll we'll obviously do another sponsor this year for that yeah i'd love that appreciate and i appreciate your support and um yeah it's it's fun i mean it, that's i think that's the beauty of having you know kind of going back to how we started the conversation like we can do whatever we want to do like you can do what you want to do with your podcast it's your thing you're not owned by anybody you can you want to do this you can do this if you don't want to you don't have to so it's like i'm hunting season behind us like i'm i'm kind of rejuvenated a little bit and ready to get going with some of these things that we've done over the last few years to you know engage with the community and get out there and start doing stuff again so i like it awesome bill no football we haven't told you we're all freaking athletes here we haven't talked at all we got playoffs coming go birds yeah, go birds. I, I would like to see an Eagles Bills Super Bowl. That would be pretty badass. I'm going to try to get the tickets to the home game for next year. So if you're interested in coming to Philly, we have my sister lives like, I mean, obviously Jim lives super close. Uh, my sister lives closer to Philly in that area. Um, come on down. You guys realize if, if it's a Bills Eagles Super Bowl, that like this part of the country is just going to like be lit on fire. Yeah, it's going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's going to be, I don't know. So I don't know if you guys, do you guys pay a lot of attention to the NFL? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. 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 So they just came out today and announced that Tua is indefinitely out. He's not playing for the Dolphins on Sunday. So Bills are playing a Tua-less Dolphins team, which yeah. is should be a tire fire, and we should just, like, just rock them, which would be awesome. Starters out by third quarter would be very nice for the Bills. Dude, they could have a bye without having a bye week. Exactly. It'd be nice. Yep. Um, so that should be fun. So we like we have season tickets. So we'll we'll be there Sunday. And, I love. And, uh, could I just can I go on record? Here? And I love because of being a huge sports fan. Like I love when you post being at the games because I feel like I'm somewhat there. And I'm like, oh man, that looks so much fun. And it'd be so cool to do that. But <laughs> so keep those coming uh, for the playoffs. I see. Have you have have you guys been to NFL games before? I've been to Eagles games. That's it. Yeah, I don't know what the tailgate scene is with that. Is it good or not good? It's, it's like, rowdy, what's the, what's but it's the, not. It's rowdy, right but it's. I've been to both. Yeah. Okay, many times, and it's Eagles are rowdy. They're some of the best fans in the game, but they still don't hold a candle to Buffalo. Yeah. So, so put that on. Put that on record. Yeah, when, when we had uh, when, when, when we were, so we're at the last. So the Bills played the Dolphins. They flexed that game to Saturday night there a few weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, and this is just it's just classic Buffalo, right? We it was snowing all day, like hard, and there's just snow piles everywhere, and the snow like stopped as soon as we got there to start tailgating. So it was like three and a half, four hours before the game, and uh, so it's right before Christmas too. So there's this guy. There's a huge snow pile at the corner of the street. And there's this guy wearing a Santa outfit with a dolphin. And, and he's got like a big stuffed dolphin. And he's got this sign that says Tua is a bitch on the <laughs> sign. And he's got the dolphin and he's just humping the <laughs> shit out of this dolphin right at the corner of this main intersection on top of this snow pile. 
And it's just for hours, dude, for hours on end, this guy's just doing it. And just people just honking their horn. It's like, oh, my God, this is just beautiful, you know. And uh, that's Buffalo. Dude, you know, his name his name's probably Rick, and he goes into work on Monday. And, you know, his coll- colleagues are like, Rick, how was your weekend? He probably sells insurance. He's probably like, mom, typical weekend. Standard weekend. <laughs> He probably should, he probably sells like life insurance. <laughs> probably all buttoned up, and then he just, yeah. just shows up to the Ralph on Sundays and just does some real awful things to stuffed animals. You know? oh. Buffalo games are Buffalo games are neat because it, it reminds you of like the old school high school games where the whole town is at the game and uh, everybody's cooking out and just having a great time. It's uh, there's not another scene like it unless you go to like you know it's very similar, Jer, to uh, Penn like, State like Penn State games. Yeah. Yep. I've actually heard quite a few people make that comment that it's very similar to a college atmosphere, especially what Penn State has. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny. Like I've I've had seasons for this is my eleventh season having them, and it's like you kind of get like numb to it after a while. I mean, again, I've been to probably I don't know, it's probably close to a hundred games now, and you just it just like nothing seems amazing, and then you listen to people's like experiences of it. Like, I've experienced some pretty amazing – like, the Bills beating the Patriots last year in the playoffs when it was zero degrees out and we just throttled them. Like, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Like, it was just three hours of euphoria. And just the sta- – the, the stadium was just lit, you know. Yeah. Yep. But, like, you know, people were talking about how crazy the game was on on uh, Sunday, and I was like, God, it just seemed like another day at the stadium. Like, it wasn't anything different than what I've experienced, but <laughs> – I anticipate that this weekend should be pretty pretty wild. Yeah. Dolphins are in town. We hate the Dolphins, and hopefully we just wreck them. I just hope Josh Allen clears his interceptions up, cleans that up a little bit. I know. But then he totally redeems himself with throwing a 60-yard bomb yeah. across the field, flat-footed, yeah. and lands right in Diggs' bad basket. Does he, like, does he hunt? Josh Allen? I don't think so. There's really? a few guys on the team that do. I would he, think he, he I would he think he because he's from what Wyoming, right? No, he's from California. He's oh, from he, he just a very very Wyoming. small farming. He, yeah, he's grew up on a farm in California, small town, Fire Firebaugh, California. That's where he's from. Got it. But he he went to Wyoming for college. Yeah, but he yeah. really knows his blood type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a type X. We don't blend, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, awesome dude. Well. Well, uh, I guess we could wrap things up, Bill. We, uh, you talked about the Shed Fest. You have your um, the beer event coming up. Anything else coming down the pipeline? No. No, uh, I, I appreciate you guys having us on and, uh, and talking about what we've got happening. And, and uh, it's always fun chewing the fat with you guys and just yeah. real talking, you know, what, what it is that we do and why we do it. And I'm always passionate to talk about that stuff. Oh, before, before we get off, who is winning in the Harvey Whitetail Classic uh, Challenge? Oh, the, the Great American Harvey Whitetail Deer Killing Freezer Stacking Competition? Yes, that uh, Big Jim and I, we tied this year. Um, six to six is what the final score was. Uh, I put the push on Jimbo. He was up 6-5 heading into the last week of the season. And uh, on my last hunt, um, second to last hunt, it was basically my last hunt, I went out at the farm that he hunts at all the time. And I shot a two, two year old buck that he was really, he let walk like three or four times throughout the season. <laughs> and this buck, this buck dude. I, so I missed a buck, a bigger one uh, earlier in the day. And um, 
And I went in, we were doing a still hunt and uh, this was muzzle loader. And I'm, we're working through this bedding area and I jump up the buck that I missed earlier with the doe that was with them. And I couldn't get a shot at him. And about 10 minutes later, I, we were just creeping through this bedding area. And, uh, and I catch movement in the brush and here's a, a, another, here's a deer doubling back on the drive and ended up being the buck I shot. And he was, he, he was between me and the, and the, the pusher next to me. And he, once he got by us, he stopped right in the one opening I had and he was, he was broadside. And I, all I could see had a couple broken tine or at least a broken tine, a G3. And he turned his head and looked at me. I saw that he was a basket rack and I saw, I was like, and I just didn't even think twice. I just put it on your shoulder and shot. And, uh, and I get up to the deer and I'm like, he was, he was, he measured 87 inches. If he wasn't broken, he would have been a hundred inch buck. He was a nice buck. Um, and I'm super happy with him. And, and it, and it ended up being a profitable deer for me. I won the, our, our Harvey, the family big buck contest. I won that. And we got first place in the rut madness contest here in Western New York. Um, Dallas and I are on the same team together. We had a great season. And, uh, so like, and then I send the picture to Jimmy and Jimmy's like, you son of a bitch. He's like, <laughs> he goes, I let that deer walk several times this year. Cause I know he was going to be a big eight next year. And uh, I'm like, Oh, he's, Guarantee he's not gonna get any bigger. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was really no pretty, pretty sweet to have that be the last year I shot to tie up the season. So we tied again for two years in a row. And uh, yeah, but you killed three bucks though. So I did kill three bucks. That's gotta yep. it's gotta count for something. Three bucks in three different places. You know that's what I'm right. saying? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, good stuff, Bill. Well, I just appreciate all you guys coming on, chatting. I love it. And um, Bill, where can people follow along, listen to Pertinier Outdoors podcast if they're already not doing so? Yeah, just Pertinier Outdoors podcast on any of the any of the social channels and uh, any podcast app. That's where we're at. Usually put out um, if kind of been an episode every couple of weeks is our pace right now. I'll probably keep that up here for a little bit. Um, but got to going to record an episode tomorrow, so I'll get something out here next week. And I might even if you don't care, I might even take this episode and. And uh, yeah. I've been recording it as well. I might post it up on ours just so anybody that's crossed and doesn't cross over can uh, hear you guys a little bit too. So I'd love it. You could do yeah. it, man. All, all, all about it. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Till next time, Antler up.